After reciting that the Shahud, Tawuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifa Masih Ayyadullah Ta'ala Min said, Islam is a religion that comprehensively outlines the rights of every class of society. And its clarification can be found in the Holy Quran and Hadith. Additionally, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, further elucidated it during this era. It was not mentioned in one of the three previous jalsas. It has been approximately three years since I have started discussing these rites. The elaboration of these rites is so extensive that despite my efforts to be concise, I could not cover all the rites. Therefore, I will address some aspects at this time. As I mentioned before, the teachings of the Holy Quran, the instructions and actions of the Holy Prophet and the instructions and incidents from the life of the truthful servant also explain these rites. Therefore, at this time, I will present some references. Islamic teachings are so beautiful that if implemented, they can provide solutions to all problems of the world. Last year, I elaborated on the rights of women. I received numerous letters. People in various gatherings also expressed to me, and non-Ahmadis also expressed this view before other Ahmadis, 
that they were unaware that Islam establishes rights of women in such depth. They used to believe that Islam only takes away women's rights, let alone establishes them. When Islam's beautiful teachings are presented before others, they are compelled to accept that they are compelled to accept that Islam's teachings are magnificent and superior, covering every aspect and class of life in detail. Thus, there is no need for any kind of inadequacy or shame in presenting the teachings of Islam to others. The principles and rules laid down by Islam are everlasting. not changing with time like worldly laws that are sometimes formulated after great thought and then later discovered to have flaws and drawbacks, leading people to raise their voices against them. They often find that there is so much imbalance in them to the extent that the losses outweigh the benefits and the law itself becomes a joke. Therefore, today there is a need for us to make the world correctly recognize rights and guide them, demonstrating how, by establishing the rights of different classes in society, a foundation of love, affection and peace can be built. However, it should always be remembered that these rights can truly be established when a person firmly believes that there is a higher being who observes and takes account of all of our actions and if we fail to act upon the prescribed principles and teachings we are accountable to that being the standards of a person's excellent morals can be established when one has complete faith in the existence of the creator of all things and believes that if we do not act upon his prescribed principles and teachings, we will be held accountable for it. Therefore, for us who are the bearers of the message, it is extremely important that we are those who fulfill all the rights and we should always remember that we are not only obligated to fulfill the rights of Allah, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is the one and only God, but we must also fulfill the rights of his creation because Allah the Almighty also loves his creatures dearly. In any case, when this occurs, faith in Allah the Almighty is established and a person can understand the necessity of religion. So, we are fortunate that while believing in Islam and having faith in the existence of Allah the Almighty, we strive to live our lives according to his teachings and prepare ourselves for both this world and the hereafter.
Therefore, a believer should endeavor to fulfill the rights of every class and every rank according to the teachings of Islam. Until now, I have mentioned the rights of 21 different classes in society. And today I will still elucidate some more. So we should strive to make it a part of our lives so that we can establish the beautiful society that Allah desires from us and for which He has given us the teachings through the Holy Prophet At this moment, I will elucidate the rights of the poor, the needy and the destitute. These are rights of the group of people who seek Allah's pleasure and are also a guarantee of peace and tranquility in society. The Holy Quran mentions this in several places. I will present a couple of verses on this matter. Allah the Almighty says, The arms are only for the poor and the needy and for those employed in connection therewith and for those whose hearts are to be reconciled and for the freeing of slaves and for those in debt and for the cause of Allah and for the wayfarer an ordinance from Allah and Allah is all-knowing wise. So Allah the Almighty has drawn attention to fulfilling the rights of all needy classes in society in this verse. Those who are in need in any way. In any case, it is necessary to fulfill their needs in any way possible. Attention has been drawn towards the rights of the destitute. Additionally, attention has been drawn towards taking care of the needs of the middle class and that is the duty of the government to do this. It is not just about giving them when they ask, rather, it is the responsibility of the government to take care of their needs. There should be a system that assesses the needs of the needy. Also, spend for the liberation of prisoners to promote love, affection and brotherhood, take care of your brothers and spend on them. Some prisoners are serving long sentences due to minor offences. You should also spend on them. The Jamaat is working for such prisoners in various countries and there is a positive impact on the prisoners. And they are also drawn towards religion. In any case, here, attention is drawn to identifying and fulfilling the needs of every needy class. Then Allah the Exalted says,
These spoils are for the poor refugees who have been driven out from their homes and their possessions while seeking grace from Allah and His pleasure and helping Allah and His Messenger. These it is who are true in their faith. Those who are targeted on religious or any other grounds for injustices have been expelled from their homes and countries. Attention was also drawn to support them so that they can stand on their own feet and can become active participants in society. Therefore, the Holy Quran contains numerous instructions in this regard. I will now present some ahadith which highlight the importance of fulfilling the rights of the needy and destitute. Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas once thought to be more virtuous than other companions. The Holy Prophet said, You are given help and provision from those among you who are weak. In other words, this poor class works for you and through them even the affluent benefit. So take care of them and provide them compensation and wages according to their work so that they do not suffer from any restlessness. Nowadays there are strikes and unrest in the world because people are demanding fair compensation. This noise is also present in these rich countries. The educated also raise a voice, sometimes doctors go on strike, sometimes other workers go on strike. Everywhere in the world there is unrest. In some countries, revolutions are happening. Sometimes a government brings about a revolution and sometimes a government is overthrown by the military. All of this happens because the rights of the poor are not being fulfilled. They are not giving their due rights and the wealthy continue to satisfy their own interests. How would the Holy Prophet motivate and encourage for the rights of the needy and destitute? Regarding this matter, Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar narrates that when Hazrat Umar received some property at Khaybar, he came to the Holy Prophet and informed him about it. He said, if you wish, you may give it the property in charity. Consequently, he gave it in charity for the needy, the poor, relatives and guests. In other words, he made it a charitable endowment or waqf. Then, on another occasion, the Holy Prophet said, it is narrated by Hazrat Abu Hurairah that the Holy Prophet said, the one who strives hard to serve the widows and the needy is like the one who strives in the path of Allah. The one who endeavours to serve and take care of the widows and the needy is akin to the one who strives in the path of Allah. The narrator said, I think that he also added, I shall regard him as the one who stands up for prayer without rest and as the one who observes fast continuously. Hazrat Abu Hurairah narrates that the Messenger of Allah said, the needy person is not the one who asks for a day or two or a morsel or two. In other words, who goes around begging. Rather, the needy person is the one who does not ask people for anything and people are not able to recognize whether he is eligible for help or not or whether they should give him something or not. 
Just as it was stated in the light of the first verse, it is essential to consider the needs of the needy. Not only should assistance be given to the one who asks for it, but it is also necessary for the government to pay attention to this matter and this hadith clearly explains that you should seek out the deserving individuals in need of help and provide assistance to them. This is the true virtue and the right of the needy, which must be fulfilled. How did the Holy Prophet establish the rights of the poor? Hazrat Abu Huraira states that the Holy Prophet said that the worst meal is a walima to which the wealthy are invited and the poor are forgotten. Hence, in countries where there is a distinct discrepancy between the wealthy and the poor, any of these there should especially make sure to invite the poor to their events their valimas or their weddings. It was on account of constant guidance from the Holy Prophet that the companions strove to care for the poor. It is stated in a narration related to Hazrat Abu Huraira that Hazrat Jafir bin Abu Talib loved the poor. He would sit with them and he would talk to them. The Holy Prophet gave him the title Abul Musakin because he loved this practice of his. Then, what is the rank of the weak in the sight of Allah the Almighty? How does Allah the Almighty view those who are rejected by the times and whose rights are usurped? In this regard, Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal relates that the Holy Prophet said, Shall I not tell you about the kings of paradise? Hazrat Muaz replied, Of course, do tell us, who are the kings of paradise? The Holy Prophet said, The weak man who was considered to be weak, those with tattered clothes about whom no one cares, but if they swear by Allah's name, then Allah the Almighty certainly fulfills it. These are the people who are considered eminent in the sight of Allah. The Holy Prophet never let an opportunity of highlighting the importance of the poor go to waste. It is mentioned in a narration in which Hazrat Sahal bin Sa'di relates that a person passed by the Holy Prophet The Holy Prophet said, What is your opinion about this person? It was a wealthy man who passed by. They replied to the Holy Prophet by saying, Your opinion is superior in this matter according to us. He is from among the honourable men. If he sends a marriage proposal, it will be accepted. If he intercedes on someone's behalf, that intercession will be accepted. This is how esteemed he is. His relatives cannot be spurned and his suggestions cannot be refused. If he speaks, he should be heard with great attention as he is a nobleman. The Holy Prophet ﷺ remained silent and did not say anything. Another person passed by and the Holy Prophet ﷺ asked, What is your opinion about him? They replied, O Messenger of Allah ﷺ, by God, we think he is a penniless Muslim. His standard is that 
If he sends a marriage proposal to someone, it makes no difference if it is rejected. If he intercedes on someone's behalf, it should not be accepted. And if he says something, it does not need to be heard. He should be given no importance. The Holy Prophet said, Certainly this person is better than an earth full of the former person. This was the Holy Prophet's opinion on the matter. At first, he did not say anything. Then the Holy Prophet said, You give importance to the wealthy, whereas the person who you deem to be poor and thus thought him to have no value is better than a thousand others like the wealthy man. Then the Holy Prophet also taught about helping poor relatives. Hazrat Salman bin Amr narrates that the Holy Prophet said, Giving alms to the poor is an act of charity alone. Giving alms to a relative who is poor is both an act of charity and kindness to relatives. In other words, one should silently help the relatives who are in need. There is a narration about how the Holy Prophet himself used to express his sentiments about the poor. Abu Amama bin Sahal bin Hunayf says, that a poor woman fell ill and the Holy Prophet was informed of her illness. The Holy Prophet used to visit the poor and the needy who were sick and would continue asking about their condition. Since this woman's condition was such that it did not seem like she would survive, the Holy Prophet said that he should be informed if she passed away. However, she passed away at night and when her funeral procession was taken, people did not deem it appropriate to wake up the Holy Prophet as it was late at night. They decided that it was not right to wake up the Holy Prophet and she should be buried right away. When the Holy Prophet awoke the next morning, he was given a report of all that had taken place the night before. The Prophet said, Did I not instruct you to inform me? They replied, Messenger of Allah we did not think it would be appropriate to wake you up at night. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet set out for the cemetery with his companions and when they reached the grave, the Holy Prophet arranged rows and said the takbir four times to lead the funeral prayer. What is the rank of a person who feeds the needy in the sight of Allah? In this regard, Hazrat Abu Hurairah narrates that the Holy Prophet asked, Who among you is fasting today? Hazrat Abu Bakr said, I am. The Holy Prophet said, Who among you joined a funeral procession today? Hazrat Abu Bakr responded, I did. The Holy Prophet asked, Who among you fed the poor today? Hazrat Abu Bakr said, I did. The Holy Prophet asked, Who among you visited the sick today? Hazrat Abu Bakr responded, I did. Upon this, the Holy Prophet said, A person in whom all these things are found is bound to enter paradise. In other words, acts of virtue also includes feeding the poor and visiting the sick among others. In light of the ahadith, 
What was the Holy Prophet Sallallahu view about the status of the poor? Hazrat Muslim Anhu details in introduction to the study of the Holy Quran. On one occasion, some poor companions of the Holy Prophet who used to be slaves at one point and then became freed, were sitting together when Abu Sufyan happened to pass by. These companions addressing him recalled the victory that God bestowed upon Islam. The victory of Islam had taken place and they mentioned this to Abu Sufyan. Hazrat Abu Bakr also heard this and did not approve of a chieftain of the Quraysh being humiliated. They used to be slaves at one point and Abu Sufyan knew that they used to be slaves. And so mentioning this before him and expressing Islam's victory in this manner did not sit well with Hazrat Abu Bakr as they were dishonoring a chieftain. And he reprimanded that group of companions by saying, Do you disgrace a chief and leader of the Quraysh? This is what Hazrat Abu Bakr said to them. He then went to the Holy Prophet and complained about the incident to him. And what was said to Abu Sufyan in a loud voice as he was passing by. The Holy Prophet said, O Abu Bakr, I fear you may have offended these select servants of God. Hazrat Abu Bakr said that this was the regard that the Holy Prophet had for them. And so the Holy Prophet said to Hazrat Abu Bakr that perhaps he had angered those poor people who at one point used to be slaves and said, If this is so, then remember, your Lord will also be displeased with you. Hazrat Abu Bakr got up immediately, went back to the same group of people and inquired, Brothers of mine, did you feel hurt over what I had said? To which they replied, We felt no offence at what you said, dear brother. May God forgive you. While, however, the Holy Prophet insisted that poor people should be respected and their feelings should not be injured and strove to fulfill their needs, he also sought to instill the sentiment of self-respect into them and taught them not to beg for favours. He used to say that it behoved a poor man not to seek to be content with a date or two or with a mouthful or two of food but to restrain himself from making a request, however severely he might be tried. Thus, where Islam draws attention towards the rights of those in need, it also draws the attention of those in need towards their responsibilities. That is why once when a person went to the Holy Prophet to ask him for something he needed, the Holy Prophet asked him what he had in his home. He brought basic things like a bowl or some other things. The Holy Prophet sold it for two dirhams and then told him to use one dirham to buy food for his family and use the other dirham to buy an axe so that he could go to the forest and chop wood. Thus he slowly invested into his business and he started making a profit. Hence in this way the Holy Prophet would prohibit asking so that the habit of begging would not develop. Hazrat Aisha says, Once a poor woman came to me and she was accompanied by her two daughters. At the time, we did not have anything at home except for a single date. I gave that date to her, which she split in half and gave to her two daughters to eat, after which she left. When the Holy Prophet came home, 
I told him what happened. The Holy Prophet said, A poor person who has two daughters at home and treats them well, God Almighty will save that person from the torment of the fire on the Day of Judgment. Then he said, Because of what she did, Allah the Almighty will make that woman worthy of entering paradise. Hence, it is in this way that Allah the Almighty rewards the virtuous deeds of the poor. Similarly, once the Holy Prophet came to learn that one of his companions by the name of Saad, who was wealthy, was expressing his superiority over others. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet said, this hadith has been mentioned before as well, have you attained this influence, this power and this wealth by your own power? This certainly is not the case. Your influence, power and wealth all came to you by the way of the poor. What were the ways in which the companions served the needy and the poor? It is mentioned in a narration that at night, Hazrat Umar used to take care of an elderly blind woman who lived on the outskirts of Medina. He would bring her water and tend to the various works she needed to be done. Once when he went to her home, he came to learn that someone else had gotten there before him and had taken care of the elderly woman's needs. The next time, Hazrat Umar went to the elderly woman's home earlier so that the other person would not get there before him. Hazrat Umar sat hiding and saw that it was Hazrat Abu Bakr who was coming to the elderly woman's home and this was at the time when he was the caliph. Upon this, Hazrat Umar said, By God, it could have only been you. There is a narration which mentions Hazrat Umar Anhu's charity, dedication and freedom. Nafi relates from Hazrat Ibn Umar Anhu that during the time of the Holy Prophet Hazrat Umar gave one of his properties which was a date orchard called Sama in charity. Hazrat Umar Anhu said, O Messenger of Allah, I have obtained some wealth which I find to be very good. I have intended to give it in charity. The Holy Prophet said, Give this wealth in charity upon the condition that it will never be sold, never be gifted, and not be given as inheritance. Instead, its fruits should be spent. In other words, it should always remain in the government's possession so that it continues to render benefit to people. Hence, Hazrat Umar gave it in charity, and this charity of his was dedicated in the way of Allah for freeing slaves, for the poor guests, wayfarers and relatives. The Holy Prophet said, whoever is its custodian can take a reasonable amount from it according to what is standard. In other words, whoever is overseeing the orchard and the property, a salary can be determined from it according to their requirements. He can use that for himself, feed his friends or feed the guests who come to visit him. However, he should not accumulate wealth for himself. He should not gather wealth. There is an incident from the time of Hazrat Umar in which the leader of a nation slapped a poor person out of arrogance. When Hazrat Umar found out, 
he said that he would grant the poor person his rights. Citing historical accounts of this incident, Hazrat Muslim al-Razilatallahu writes, There is a famous incident of Hazrat Umar due to which he even though had to bear difficulty, it did not bother him and he established the very equality which Islam seeks to establish in the world. The incident is Jabala bin Ahim was the chief of a large Christian tribe. When the Muslims waged attacks on Syria, he along with his tribe became Muslim and set out for Hajj. At one place during Hajj, a large crowd formed and so it happened that another Muslim stepped on his foot. According to some narrations, that Muslim's foot stepped on the end of his cloak. He stepped only on his foot, not his clothes. He considered himself to be a king. He was the leader of a nation and 60,000 people were under his rule. In fact, according to some narrations, his army alone numbered 60,000. It was very large. And so when a Muslim who was not even fully clothed stepped on his foot, he became angry and slapped him with a great force and said, You dishonor me. Do you not know who I am? You should have stepped back out of respect. You have dishonorably stepped on my foot. The Muslim man remained silent after being slapped. But another Muslim spoke up and said, Are you aware that the religion you have entered is Islam? In Islam, there is no distinction between the eminent and the ordinary. Especially at this house, the Holy Kaaba, there is no distinction between the wealthy and the poor. He replied, I do not care about this. The Muslim replied, when this complaint reaches Hazrat Umar, he will surely take retribution on behalf of this Muslim man for you, whether you care or not. When Jabala bin Ahim heard this, he became enraged and said, Is there anyone who can slap the face of Jabala bin Ahim? He said, I do not know about anyone else, but Umar would. He will surely met out a punishment when he hears of this. Upon listening to this, he quickly completed his circuits and went straight to a gathering of Hazrat Umar and asked, If an eminent person slaps an ordinary man, what is done with him? What does Islam say about this? Hazrat Umar said, We have the ordinary man slap the eminent person. The man said, You have not understood me. What I mean to say is that if an eminent person slaps someone, then what do you do? Hazrat Umar said, In Islam there is no difference between eminent and the ordinary. He then said, Jabala, have you by chance committed an error? Upon this he lied and said, I have not slapped anyone. I simply asked a question. However, he immediately got up from the gathering and fled to his country along with his people and then along with his people, he became an apostate and took part in war with the Romans against the Muslims. However, Hazrat Umar did not care about this. This is the equality which cannot be found in any other nation. This is the very equality that is established by a mosque. Just as there is no difference between the rich or poor there, there is no difference in Islam between the eminent and the ordinary. Then there is another incident in history from the time of Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Umar happened to pass by a door where there was an elderly beggar who had lost his sight. He was begging and so he placed his hand from behind onto his shoulder and said, 
which group of the people of the book do you belong to? He replied, I am a Jew. Hazrat Umar anhu said, What has compelled you to do this? I.e. to beg. He answered, I beg as a result of paying the jizya, poverty and old age. He had to pay jizya. He was in need. He had reached old age. He couldn't work as a result, which is why he had no other means than to beg. Hazrat Umar held his hand, took him to his home and gifted him some items. He then summoned the treasurer of the Baitul Mal and said to him, Look after him and those like him. As it is unjust to enjoy of the jizya we take from him in his youth and then leave him unsupported in his old age. When he was younger, it was by all means permissible to take jizya from him. But now that he has reached an old age, is unable to work and is weak and persistently sick, it is his right that it is given to him. The alms are only for the poor and the needy. The poor refers to the Muslims and the needy refers to the people of the book. He absolved him and others like him from giving jizya. What is the economic system of Islam? Hazrat Muslim has mentioned this in great detail in his book and shed light upon what the rights are of the citizens who are needy and how Islam fulfills those rights. He writes, the Islamic State on gaining the resources assumed responsibility for meeting each person's needs for food and clothing. When the government started receiving money, it looked after the needs of its citizens for food and clothing. In the time of Hazrat Umar when the new order was completely established, in accordance to Islamic teachings, a census was taken involving registration of the individual's name in order to facilitate the task of providing food and clothing to everyone. This task was the responsibility of the government and they fulfilled this duty with complete responsibility. Even European writers acknowledge that it was Hazrat Umar who first held census and initiated the system of registration. What example do they give us today when we were the ones who should be giving them the example? Islam was the first to start this work. In order to carry out the responsibility of providing food and clothing to everyone, the government needed to know the number of people living in the country. It is generally believed today that certain nations were the first to recognize their responsibilities towards their help in providing them with social help. But the fact that Islam was the first to establish such an economic system which practically looks after the needs of the people's food and clothing and the needs of children. During the era of Hazrat Umar Anhu, then names of all the residents of every village, town and city were recorded in a register. Every man along with his wife and children and their total numbers were registered. Furthermore, an amount was introduced for their nutritional needs, whereby those who eat 
very little food could get by and those who eat more can do so as they wish. It is recorded in history that Hazrat Umar Anhu, in his earlier decisions had not provided for the needs of suckling babies and they would only be given support in the form of grain etc when mothers would wean their children. One night, while out on a round of quiet inspection, Hazrat Umar heard the wailing sound of an infant in a tent, which made him pause. But the cries continued, even though the mother tried to pull the child to sleep by patting him. At last, Hazrat Umar entered the tent and inquired of the mother, Why do you not suckle the child? The woman did not recognize the Khalifa. She thought he was an ordinary man and answered, Hazrat Umar has decreed that no ration be granted in the case of infants until they were weaned. We are poor people with hardly enough to make both ends meet. I have weaned the child early so that we should get a measure of ration from the Betul Mal that includes the ration. So if the child now cries, let it do so. What can I do? Go and cry to Umar for making such a policy. Hazrat Umar was shocked when he heard this and he hastened back at once muttering painfully to himself, Umar, you have weakened the coming generation of the Arabs by causing infants to be prematurely weaned. The responsibility for this lies on your head. Saying this, he opened the door of the store and lifted a sack of flour on his own back. When an attendant offered to carry it for him, he replied, No, I failed to discharge my responsibility. I must make amends for it myself. He then carried the flower to the woman and ordered the next day that a ration be granted for a child from the day it was born because the nursing mother in any case needed better nourishment. She could eat better and wean better. Nevertheless, these are the rights of the nation established by Islam. According to Islam, it is the duty of the government to provide every person with food, shelter and clothing, and it is Islam which was the first to establish such policies. Now other governments are also copying this, but not entirely. Unfortunately today, Muslim countries themselves are not fulfilling these rights, aside from a few. If they start to fulfill these rights, then there will be a complete transformation in the Muslim countries. If the people also develop the habit of hard work, then their frustrations, anxieties, strikes, complaints and uproar against the government will all come to an end. In any case, governments are now copying this. Insurances are taken out for family pensions, etc. The government is responsible for providing food and clothing for both one's youth and old age. This principle was not introduced by any religion prior to Islam. Nowadays, social help is provided. The consensus carried out by the worldly governments are for the sole purpose of taking taxes or to ascertain in times of need how many youths are available to be recruited into the army. 
one can also work the numbers of the population from the consensus, how many people are in different types of jobs, if a given amount of tax is being received or not, and how much income is being received. Furthermore, one can find out how many people can be called upon according to the needs of the army or the government. However, what is it that Hazrat Umar did? The very first consensus carried out by the Islamic government in the time of Hazrat Umar was to provide food and clothing to all people. It was not to take anything from them, but to give to them. It was not to take taxes from them, nor to work out how many use there are to join the army in times of need. Rather, that consensus was solely to ensure food and clothing were provided for all citizens. The very first consensus carried out by the Islamic government was during the time of Hazrat Umar anhu, and it was done so in order to provide food and clothing to all the people. A consensus did also take place in the time of the Holy Prophet but that was only to figure out and properly estimate how many Muslims there were. However, the consensus carried out to help provide food and clothing was during the era of Hazrat Umar This is a really important thing which can ensure peace is established in the world. If one ponders over it, to merely tell people to make a request, not every person's self-respect would tolerate this. For this reason, Islam imparted the principle of making the government responsible for providing food and clothing to everyone, regardless if they are rich or poor. In any case, Hazrat Muslimod writes, even if he is a multi-millionaire, they shall be given to as well. Even if they do not give to someone else, lest anyone feels they deem them inferior. Here too, the sentiments of the poor have been put into consideration. In principle, one does not need to give to the rich, for tax is received from their income for the expenditure of the government and to spend on the poor. However, in order to care for the sentiments of the poor, the rich have also been included in the list of those to receive this, this support. Hence, Islam has taught in great detail to look after the needs of the poor, the deprived and the needy and to fulfill their rights. It is Islam alone which has mentioned in great detail and instructed one to fulfill these rights selflessly. The thought one is instructed to bear in mind whilst fulfilling these rights is what will guarantee world peace. The Promised Messiah states, Virtue is a ladder that lifts one towards Islam and God. But remember, what is virtue? On every route, Satan raids the people and leads them away from the path of truth. For example, let us presume that one night more bread is cooked than necessary and the following morning there is some left over. Just before the first morsel, as one is about to begin their meal and many delicious foods are placed before them, a beggar comes to the door and calls out asking for bread. If the person says, give the leftover bread to the beggar, 
There is fresh, delicious food in front of them, but they also know that there is leftover bread. Then a member of the house was very patient by saying to take this leftover bread which was made yesterday. The Promised Messiah asks, would this be deemed a good deed? The leftover bread was going to remain unused anyway. Why would an indulgent person eat such bread? Would one who enjoys many blessings and has exquisite food to eat be in the need to eat this leftover bread? Allah the Exalted states, and they feed for love of Him, the poor, the orphan and the prisoner. It should also be remembered that the Arabic word ta'am used here refers to desirable food. Stale leftovers are not referred to as ta'am. Leftover food that goes stale is not referred to in ta'am. Therefore, if at the sound of a beggar, the person were to give away their desirable and delicious food freshly placed in their plate just before they began to eat it, this is what constitutes as a good deed. It is not a good deed to give them the leftover food. In relation to how the Promised Messiah himself used to treat the poor and needy, Hazrat Malvi Abdul Karim Sahib, writes, Sometimes women from the villages seeking medications would come and loudly knock on the door. And in their simple and rustic manner, they would say in Punjabi, Mirza Ji, open the door. Mirza Sahib, open the door. Hazrat Sahib would get up as if he had received a command from someone of great stature. He would immediately get up and open the door as if a ruler had ordered him to do so. He would speak to them with a smile on his face and would prescribe some medications. He would listen to them and prescribe them something as well. Malvi Sahib writes, In our country, even the educated class do not have any regard for time and so the rustic people waste even more time. If educated people don't have any regard for time, then how would the villagers have regard for time? One woman started engaging in useless talk and started complaining about her home and her in-laws and wasted an hour doing so. However, the Promised Messiah gracefully and patiently remained seated, listening to her. He did not even say or indicate in any way that she should leave or to say that she had asked for what she needed and that now she should not waste any time. In fact, she grew worried herself and got up after quite some time had elapsed and left the home. He says, once many women from the village brought their children to be examined for treatment. In the meantime, even some women who worked inside the home brought vials to receive medications. Some of the women must have heard about this inside the home as well and so sent some of them with glass vials. The Promised Messiah had a very important dissertation to write in service to the faith which needed to be written quickly. Malvi Sahib says, I also happened to go out and what do I see? I saw the Promised Messiah standing alert and ready like a European standing fully alert at his worldly duty. He had five or six boxes open in front of him and from various small glass vials he would give different things to different people and he would give others some extracts. This marketplace or hospital of sorts remained open for three hours. Once he was done, I asked, Your Holiness, this was a great inconvenience and a great deal of valuable time is wasted this way. By Allah, the Promised Messiah calmly gave me such an extraordinary reply. This too is a religious duty. These people are poor and there is no hospital here. So for their sake, I order every kind of English and Greek medicines which prove to be useful when the need arises. He said, 
This work carries many blessings. A believer should not slacken and be careless in such matters. It is recorded in the Promised Messiah life history that once in the evening after the Maghrib prayer, people from various countries and cities had come to see the Promised Messiah and pledge allegiance to him. They were flocking to him like moths. They were falling over one another so that they could get as close as possible to the Promised Messiah The majority of them were people from villages. Seeing the shortage of space and the large number of people, some said that people should move back. There was limited space, but there was a large number of people and someone announced, everyone move back, you are causing trouble for the Promised Messiah Upon this, the Promised Messiah said, no one should be told to move back. These people come out of sincerity and love. They travel hundreds of miles just so that they might meet me and remain in my company for a few moments. It is on their behalf that God has interceded and said, The Promised Messiah said that Allah the Almighty revealed the following to him about these very people. This was said in favour of the poor and those whose clothes are tattered and do not even have much knowledge, to not to become wary of them. They are supported by God's grace because everyone inquires of the wealthy and treats them with respect. That is why God Almighty Himself has interceded on behalf of those who live in obscurity. The Promised Messiah states, I do not desire that members of my community should consider themselves superior or inferior, behave arrogantly or look down upon one another. God knows who is superior or inferior. This is a form of neglect that reeks of contempt. I fear that this contempt may grow like a seed and ruin such a person. Certain people meet those of high standing with immense respect, but truly great is the one who listens to a lowly person with humility, comforts them, gives importance to their opinion, and does not rebuke them in a manner that would cause them grief. Then the Promised Messiah states, Understand that a community which berates one another cannot be regarded a true community, or when a group of four convenes, they complain about and criticize their poor brother and they degrade the weak and the poor and look upon them with contempt and hatred. This should never be the case. Instead, gatherings should be such that are empowering and unifying, which develop love and create blessings. Then the Promised Messiah states, Now a new bond of brotherhood has been established amongst you. Previous ties have been cut. God Almighty has established this new nation which includes the rich, the poor, the children, youth and elderly and indeed all types of people. And so it is the responsibility of the poor to honour and respect their eminent brothers and it is the responsibility of the wealthy to help the poor and not consider them to be paupers and deplorable because they are also their brothers. 
Though you may have different fathers, ultimately you all do have the same father and they are all different branches of the same tree. Then the Promised Messiah states, The poor have benefited from a large part of faith. There are many aspects of which the wealthy are deprived. Firstly, they become involved in vice and immorality and injustice, while on the contrary, all the capabilities of righteousness and humility go to the poor. Hence, do not consider the poor to be misfortunate. Rather, they are honoured and they receive a large part from the blessings of God Almighty. Remember, there are two types of rights. There are the rights of Allah and the rights of fellow beings. The wealthy also face difficulties as it pertains to the rights of Allah and their pride and selfishness deprives them. For example, at the time of prayer they dislike standing beside a poor person. They cannot stand for the poor to be anywhere near them and so this way they fall short in their rights owed to Allah because in essence a mosque is a home for the poor. Yet they consider it to be a blight against their honour to be near them. I have heard that now in some places it has become common for there to be a separate enclosure for the kings and the Arabs despite all being in the same mosque. Such distinction must not be made. The Promised Messiah continues, It is thus that they are not able to take part in specific acts of service when it comes to the rights owed to fellow beings. A poor person is prepared to offer any kind of service. They can massage feet, bring water, wash clothes, to the extent that even if they are given the opportunity to dispose of filth, they would not avoid doing so. However, wealthy people find these things to be disgraceful and thus remain deprived of doing them. Thus, Wealth hinders one from attaining many different virtues. For this very reason, it is mentioned in a hadith that the poor will enter paradise 500 years earlier. The poor who are virtuous will enter paradise 500 years earlier. In other words, sometimes Allah the Almighty allows them to enter without any questioning on, on account of some of their virtues. May Allah the Almighty enable us to avoid any sort of arrogance and become those who honour the rights of the poor, less fortunate and needy. May such an atmosphere be established everywhere in the community, in every country, which reflects the true teachings of Islam. Remember the poor and the needy in your prayers. Remember those who are unjustly imprisoned. Remember the families of the martyrs. Now we will offer silent prayers in which you should pray for yourselves. May Allah the Almighty increase us in faith and certainty. In places and countries where Ahmadis are facing cruelty and being made the targets of injustices, may Allah the Almighty save them from these injustices. May Allah the Almighty procure the means for their rights to be restored for those whose rights are usurped. Pray for the Muslim world. Pray for the world to be saved from destruction. May Allah bestow His mercy and grace upon the entire world and may they recognize the one God. Now we shall pray. Please.